Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. All right, in today's episode, I talk with Alexis Clark about culture in civil engineering and really a whole host of interesting items. She was an amazing guest, I have to say. The energy that this woman brings to the table is just unbelievable. I posted on LinkedIn after I did this interview that I felt like I had drank 10 cups of coffee. It was a Friday afternoon, late in the afternoon, and she really woke me up. I mean, she is doing amazing things in her job as a civil engineer, but also outside of her job and in the community. And we kind of got into all of that in this interview. And it was a fun one to do. And I hope you enjoyed this one half as much as I did. It's a real treat. All right. So before we get into the main segment here and my interview with Alexis, I do want to remind you to stick around until the end of this podcast for my essential career advancement tips. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical advice and the best resources for your licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast, thanks to our sponsor. You're not going to want to miss it. I also want to mention one other initiative that I've started. I'm very passionate about helping engineering professionals become better managers and leaders. And in doing that, I work with a lot of civil engineers and a lot of civil engineering firms. The thing about this is I'm not interested in just doing a bunch of training, whether it's webinars, live training, our engineering management accelerator, online workshop, whatever the case may be. I'm not just about throwing training against the wall and hoping that it sticks or taking you out of work to go to something that might not work. And so I've worked with several HR professionals, training professionals, and executives in our industry, and we've designed an engineering management training needs assessment. This assessment will help you to understand where you're at along the development of becoming an effective engineering manager. And also, if your company's interested in putting multiple people through the assessment, it would give them an unbelievable snapshot as to maybe where some of the gaps are in the engineering management skill sets. But also what this assessment does is it's going to ask some questions about how you like to learn. What are your learning preferences online, in person, short videos, longer videos? live webinars, what times of the week. It's very comprehensive, but it also will take you five minutes or less. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and go to engineeringmanagementassessment.com and take this five-minute assessment. And when we hit 500 people, and I know we're going to because we're already on fast pace to that from our mailing list, I will share the results, the global results with everyone that took the assessments. You can see kind of how you think you stack up versus the rest of the industry. Again, that's engineering managementassessment.com. It will take you five minutes or less. That's engineeringmanagementassessment.com. And you might get some really valuable information. All right. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode. She is Dynamite Alexis Clark. She's an EIT. She's the structural field engineer of Hilti North American in Fort Worth and West Texas. In her time at Hilti, she has been a leader in several initiatives outside of her role, including the inception of an outreach program for technical services team members serving as an ambassador for a female-driven career pathing program 
and the development and field testing of innovative design software. Alexis graduated from the University of Texas at Austin in 2014, where she served as American Society of Civil Engineers student chapter president, concrete canoe captain, and other leadership roles. She and the UT Austin student chapter received national recognition in 2014 under her leadership team. Now, I want you to listen to this next part of the introduction here just to get an idea of how much volunteer work and how much she gives of herself to the community. Outside of work, Alexis is passionate about inspiring the next generation of STEM professionals. A past Concrete Canoe Captain 2018 will be her fourth year as a Texas-Mexico region Concrete Canoe and Steel Bridge judge. Additionally, she has judged K-12 competitions across the state of Texas, ranging from future cities to the Dallas ISD Bridge Build, has spoken at several events for girls and women in K-12 and in higher education, and dedicates her Tuesday nights to ACE Mentor Program in Fort Worth to mentor high school upperclassmen in their pursuit of a career in architecture, construction, and engineering. In 2015, Alexis was awarded the Texas Section Professional Services to Student Award for her volunteer efforts to engage students' interest in STEM across Texas. Alexis is fluent in German and aspires to influence the integrity of infrastructure across the world. And she also gave us a quote with her bio. The quote is as follows. Almost every successful person begins with two beliefs. The future can be better than the present, and I have the power to do so. Again, you could just tell from what I've read to you that she's dynamite, and I hope you can keep up with her in this interview. I certainly struggled to do it. So, Without further ado, let's jump into this week's Civil Engineering Conversation with Alexis Clark. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, and now it's my pleasure to welcome in our guest for today. I want to welcome Alexis Clark. Alexis is a structural field engineer for Hilti North American in Fort Worth and West Texas. I already introduced her, but now it's time to talk to her. So, Alexis, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for having me today. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. And I gave the listeners a little bit about you, but I want you to kind of give yourself a little bit of intro in your own words. Tell them a little bit about your career and kind of how you got to where you are. Yeah. So I had two very strong passions ever since I was a little girl, and that was playing with my grandfather in the front yard with a big barrel of concrete and learning German. And so going through high school, um, I was very strong in math and science, and I was the president of German club, and I took German folk dancing and German choir, among many other very nerdy things. And I found myself in a position in college where I got to be in leadership positions in both my German major and my civil engineering major. And both of those two passions of mine actually married pretty well into the company that I'm with now, which is a German company of sorts. It's based in Liechtenstein. And... Here I am. You know, I'm not wearing a dirndl anymore. I'm not dancing around singing German folk songs, but I still get to work with Germans all the time, which is wonderful. That's great. And that is one of the reasons that I reached out to Alexis, because I think we've spoke a few times over LinkedIn, but I always notice that she's doing things that are, she's very interested in culture. She's very volunteer driven in a lot of the things that she does, which you heard a little bit about when I introduced her earlier on. And we'll get into some of that stuff as well. I just think myself, civil engineering lends itself to being a a very people profession because obviously everything that we do, people impacts people. And I'm always a believer of getting involved in the community. And I feel like, Alexis, you do such a great job of that. And 
which is why I'm really excited to talk to you. But before we get into all that stuff, which I want to get into, I want to start by just talking a little bit about you work at Hilti, which of course is a, a large company that manufactures products. I'm always interested in talking to people in that role. I mean, most of the people that I've dealt with in my career, including my own career path, was working for a consulting firm doing civil engineering. I know you've done that as well. So I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about your path and how you ended up at Hilti doing what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned I had these two passions that I juggled with for so long. And to be completely honest, I, I started out in college as strictly a civil engineering major and just with German as a minor. And I think if there are any listeners who are undergraduates or even graduates who need that balance of something that takes their mind off of the super technical coursework that comes with engineering, German was my escape from that. And it was kind of a nice balance that would allow me some creativity, worked a different muscle within my brain, and was also just a passion of mine that I was fortunate happened to work out and with my career in the end. But as you mentioned, I actually tried several different types of design and different types of civil engineering fields when I was in college. So I had, of course, we all have that one summer with our local DOT or city municipality. So I actually spent one summer with TechSot, which I quickly learned was not for me, but absolutely learned some invaluable lessons from that time there, whether it's different standards or even just having to answer to the public, to different interest groups. I mean, it's those people who work in state and local government do such an amazing job and it's so often very thankless. So that I definitely learned a lot of humility in that role. I also spent a year working through my fourth year in school. I took five for two majors. And in my fourth year, I spent the entire year in an internship with an environmental firm, which I found very interesting. I'm definitely part hippie. I compost. I recycle everything I possibly can. And it didn't meet up to the expectations that I had set for myself. So although I really enjoyed it and again, learned a lot about myself and my likes and my dislikes, wasn't for me. I was a concrete canoe captain and I was very active in ASCE in college. So for any other captains out there, whether you're bridge or canoe, I salute you. I fell in love with concrete. I grew up playing with it with my grandfather and the fact that in college you have this opportunity to build and design a 20 foot long canoe out of concrete and then race it around with other engineers. It's such a cool thing, right? I mean, it's, it's a competition that I often end up speaking about with people who are not from the civil engineering background and the look on their face every time they explain it is just so worthwhile. It, it's, it totally makes it worth it. This love of concrete actually led me to go into bridge and special structures design for a local firm in Austin while I was finishing up my degree. And once again, I found the best part of my day was turning around and talking to my coworkers about the work that we were doing. I'm just such a social person. I enjoy interaction. I enjoy discussion. And I loved the, the subject matter, but the everyday design work was not for me. So what you really liked was the people part of it? Absolutely. Yes. I think a lot of people are surprised when I first tell them I'm an engineer because I'm such an outgoing person. I have always enjoyed networking and getting to know people and helping people. And fortunately, people who like to help people work really well in civil engineering because it is that branch of technical knowledge and expertise that applies it to helping the greater good. You made it to Hilti for those reasons, I would assume, because you have a lot of people interaction in your role today. Is that right? So it's funny enough, I had actually, I never applied to Hilti, or I never sought out Hilti, I should say. I was elected and became the president of the student chapter of ASE at my university. And Hilti was trying out a new program to try and get younger talent developed within the organization at a quicker rate. And so they had reached out to, they had selected three universities across the U.S., Berkeley, UT Austin, and I believe Georgia Tech. 
And their goal was to reach out to student leaders because that's they were looking for self-starters and people who took initiative and who were leader in leadership positions and reached out to their student organizations and leadership to get kind of a foothold within those organizations. And lo and behold, the year they started that, I happened to have been the president. I actually met with the person who is now the general manager of my territory. And he was explaining, he said, oh, we're Hilti. We'd like to meet with you guys. We'd like to talk to some seniors, kind of get a feel for what they're looking for and tell them what we're about. And I was thinking, who's this Hilti group? I have no idea what this is. I never heard of Hilti. I looked them up online and I was thinking, what does a tool company want with an engineer? And I basically got sold the entire pitch. I mean, the fact that I spoke German was such a perfect fit. And the company itself, because it is so large, it's 23,000 people across over 120 countries. The opportunity for growth and for change and for development is so vast. It was just, there was no other company that even came close. That's interesting. And that's kind of was going to be one of my next questions was, what is it like working for such a large company? And it sounds like that's one of the benefits, the opportunities. Yes, it absolutely is. The fact that, again, there are so many different positions, so many different branches and different departments that we have to go through. I never considered a career in logistics or marketing or even sales. I mean, no one goes through engineering and thinks, oh, I, for example, am six foot tall and blonde. And I specifically said during one of my interviews, I didn't go through five years of engineering school to be the blonde in sales. And here I am. And I couldn't imagine myself in a better position. I think we all have this idea of sales, such a gracie term. And I've just been so amazed at the different opportunities that are not customer facing or the ones that are, are still, it's so much more innovative than just here's a price. How do you feel about this? I think this gets back to one of the beauties of civil engineering is that there's so many opportunities of different things you can do, different places you can work, different projects you can work on. I think sometimes civil engineers themselves don't realize all the different opportunities that are out there. 100%. Which is, again, one of the reasons I like to do this podcast and maybe bring these opportunities out to those that aren't aware of them. But I mean, there's so many opportunities with your degree and with your knowledge and with everything going on with the world right now. It's an exciting profession to be a part of, that's for sure. And it sounds like you've certainly got an exciting role in it, which is great. And what I want to do here is get into this idea of culture. You talked a lot about the fact that you love German and, of course, your passion for civil engineering and concrete. And how do you put the two together or what do you try to do to integrate the two if you do it all? The integrating such two very different things can be seemingly very intimidating and hard to connect. And I think when I was in school, I was thinking, geez, how is this ever going to line up? That's such a pipe dream. There's, There's nothing like this for civil engineers, because I think so often when we are just finding out about civil engineering, we hear a lot from city engineers or state engineers or I did this project, I'm licensed in this particular state. And so we think we put up a lot of constructs, and a lot of boundaries geographically that just are not there. It's true that there are differences between different state codes. You know, you might have seismic on the West Coast or historic preservation issues you may see on the East Coast, just because it's so much more developed. If you're in Europe, you're gonna have different codes and standards. Materials are different across the entire world. But there's such a demand for people in with our technical proficiencies across the world And if you're willing to go there, there are people who are more than happy to put you in those situations. I think people underestimate what they can make happen in their careers, especially in the world that we live in with everything going on. So do you do anything outside of the U.S. or use your German for Hilti or? 
my current territory that I service, the structural engineers that I am a quote unquote connection expert for or connection resource, I cover the Fort Worth and West Texas area. I recently added Southern Oklahoma and East Texas, so I've kind of expanded a little bit. I do have the opportunity to speak with colleagues of mine in German-speaking countries and speak German with them, but in my current role, it is not required by any means. We do have several of our counterparts up in Canada, so we have, I have quite a few counterparts who speak French, several in the southern states who speak Spanish, and then I have counterparts that I had so a couple of one-off opportunities to speak with people in our markets, some in our India markets. And then we have, I mean, we're all over the place. So if you have the passion to go someplace different, there's an opportunity waiting there for you. So what do you do, and then maybe not even in work, but just in your life in general to try to integrate culture? Currently, my fiance and I have a trip planned for our honeymoon to Vienna, Prague, and Berlin. So we have German words all over our walls and different objects and the refrigerator and all these different things that are um, easy words to learn and remember in German so we can both be more proficient before we go over there. But when it comes to just day-to-day cultural interaction, we try to be worldly and read lots of fun things. I actually own the entire Harry Potter series in German, and I love to reread them. I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd, and it's kind of completely different reading the books or any book that you love in a different language, because it's almost like you rediscover the entire storyline through a different perspective. So I am rereading that again right now. It's, you know, it's actually kind of fun. And I mean, I know completely obscene words that I'll never need to use like right. wand and witch, <laughs> but butterbeer. Exactly. Hey, butterbeer's on there. Exactly. I mean, those will come up at some point, I'm sure. That's great. You give me some ideas. I speak Italian a bit and uh, I think it's a good idea to get some books that I like in Italian. And I've actually heard that, you know, try to read what you can in the language you're trying to learn. Absolutely. Cookbooks are very helpful. Oh, yeah. That's good as well. That's interesting. That's great. So you really do try to make this a very regular part of your lifestyle. I try my hardest. Yes. I have admittedly still sing to myself in the car in the German folk songs I used to know, (laughs) just that I keep them fresh. That's great. Hey, you got to do something in the car, so you might as well make it useful. Exactly. Probably shouldn't have admitted that on public radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all great. I mean, and I agree with what you said. For those of you out there listening, I mean, doing some of these creative type things can actually help you to be a better engineer overall and more well-rounded. I found myself, too, learning a language, again, because it's more of a right brain activity as opposed to the left brain that we're using most of the time in the engineering world. I think it just brings some balance, like Alexa said earlier, and can really help you in your career, even though you're not doing it at work or it really isn't directly applicable unless you're working in another country. So it's definitely something to think about if you're thinking about trying something different, pushing your boundaries, getting more creative, or even trying to bring some more culture into your life in general. So that's very interesting and very exciting that you're doing those things, but I want to now jump into volunteering because I know that this is also something that you're super passionate about. And I gave the audience a little bit of a lowdown on some of the things that you do in your introduction with regards to the concrete canoe and how you're still involved in that, I believe, helping where you can. I know the ACE mentor program, and I don't even think I can remember all the stuff that you do, but maybe you can just talk about kind of your passion for volunteering and why you're so interested in that. I've always been in a very service-oriented family. We've always been about helping others out, sharing our knowledge and our passion with others. And it's something I've carried on into my collegiate and professional uh, career. I think there is no greater pursuit in life than to help the next generation. 
those who have never heard of something that you're passionate about or someone who maybe thinks that they don't have the ability to engineer or doesn't even know what an engineer is. There's just, there's such an untapped potential in so many demographics and so many cities in the entire world. And I find it a personal mantle that I personally go after that I need to be a part of this. And if I'm not helping the next generation, I consider it negligence and hurting, which is probably a little harsh. I really do. I enjoy spending my time doing those kind of things. So as I mentioned, I was involved in Concrete Canoe in school and that 100% shaped not only my appreciation for my profession, but it also, it got me my job. I mean, it's such a critical piece to my path and my career. So I still serve as a judge for both Concrete Canoe and Steel Bridge in the Texas-Mexico region. I am currently sitting across from about 10 design reports that I really need to grade. So that's been an annual thing we've been, I've been in, involved with since I left school. I also have been spending time with the ACE Mentor Program, which is national. It is a fantastic program that gets high school upperclassmen more knowledgeable about and can also help them get scholarships for architecture, construction, and engineering, ACE professions, and kind of gives them a, a leg up. It's, I wish it had been around when I was younger because that would have been really helpful in defining what the differences between the three are, how one pursues different tracks. It was just a really neat program. And aside from that, I actually do just a lot of general work with getting K through 12 kids involved with STEM. So the Future Cities competition is for middle schoolers who are looking to develop innovative ways to make future cities better. It's definitely a very neat spin on civil engineering. I also am involved with certain elementary school opportunities that are in DFW that get kids at least thinking about bridge building or how to build a building or what it takes to filter your water that, you know, clean water doesn't just come up out of the water filter. There's a lot of processes that go into that. So I, any opportunity I have to meet with a new group of students and impassion them to pursue a STEM career is so worthwhile to me. I'm just trying to think about what you do in your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still have spare time. Somehow I still do. And that was going to be my next question is with regards to like time management. I mean, I know that you're most likely not, not a superhero. You don't have any supernatural powers, even though I'm a big Avengers fan, but I know that that's fake. But you do all the volunteer work. You do a job at Hilti, which I'm sure is fairly demanding. And you try to do as much as you can with culture. You're obviously planning a wedding. How do you pull this all off and be as like happy as you sound you are? I am very fortunate that my current position is very flexible and that Hilti is, uh, Hilti actually gives us two pay days off for community service a year. So I have a lot of support from my company that I work for, which is absolutely fantastic. I have a great partner that keeps me in check and keeps me sane. But to be completely honest, I just have a lot of energy and a lot of passion. I think if you have passion to do something, you'll get it done. My parents always joked growing up that I don't just burn my candle at both ends. I burn my candle at all five ends. So believe it or not, I've actually slowed down over the years. You're using your energy in a lot of really great ways. You're giving a tremendous amount back to the community, which is exciting. I mean, I'm connected with Alexis on LinkedIn, and I'm just kind of watching all the stuff that you do with the younger kids and the STEM and all these things. I mean, we need to have as many people as we can like you in the civil engineering industry. And I think you're just doing a tremendous job with all this stuff. I appreciate it. It's like I mentioned, it really is. It's 100% worthwhile time. And it's, I feel better after I do it. So do you, just in terms of like the time management side of it, because I know for a lot of civil engineers, they, I don't want to say they don't do these things because they don't have time, but I think it's an easy excuse 
whether it's, you know, legitimate or not, I think for some people, maybe it is you're working on projects, you got stuff going on. Is there anything you do different? Like do you set certain times aside or how do you handle, is there a specific thing you do or do you just kind of go with it all? So I actually, I have to, I have to credit my best friend, Kara Smith for this. So we actually, for the past five years have had this, instead of a new year's resolution, a word for the year, which sounds probably very silly, but when you have one word, it becomes kind of a mantra for the year and it sets a tone for what you want to accomplish. So there have been some years where I needed to slow down. And so goals included fitting in yoga once every week, putting in a volunteer activity once a month, something that made me feel rewarded and fulfilled. And like I was making strides towards this greater goal of what do I want to, how do I want to change myself over this year? And I think that's really been a catalyst for how I structure my priorities, which is the biggest issue that anybody has is we have time. Everyone has some kind of time that's available for them to do with what they want. I mean, everyone has deadlines. Everyone needs to go to the grocery store and make the house run. There are basic things that require and demand our time throughout our week, but there's always time that we have to spend either in the evenings or on the weekends as we wish. And it really has to come down to the prioritization. You know, do you spend that time with friends and family? Do you spend that time on self-care? Do you spend that time giving back? Is where's the balance for you between those three things? Are there is it was health in there? Is exercise? What does that look like to where you feel fulfilled in what you do? And where's your balance? And I love that approach where you're trying to make it simple with the one word and you're trying to have some kind of a simple dashboard or a simple way to make sure that you're paying attention to the different aspects of your career and your life. And in fact, I have something similar, like I have something on my wall that kind of has like this idea of being balanced in the middle and like all these things around it that that takes to do that, like whether it's diet, sleep, fitness, your work, your family, just trying to focus on everything a little at a time and and make sure you kind of focus on each one. There's also a book that I've read that was pretty good called How to Live a Good Life. And he talks about these different, like he has like these three buckets and he just tries to keep all three buckets filled. So if he feels like one is lower than the other two, he needs to focus on that, which kind of sounds a little bit like you were saying with the one word, like maybe this year I need to focus a little bit on slowing down or whatever the case may be. But I think the one thing too, that I liked about what you said earlier in the interview about when you worked for either it was the DOT or the design firm where you said, you know, it wasn't really meeting your expectations. I think that's great because I think having expectations for yourself and having goals makes it really easy or easier to make decisions, to make pivots in your career and to know what's working and what's not working, which you were able to do because you had that expectation. Whereas if you don't, and if you're kind of constantly winging it, you're not able to prioritize and you don't have any kind of like a word or a phrase or something to help you focus, you kind of could just keep going like in the wrong direction. And fortunately for some people, I've seen it happen to them for like more than like a year or more like years. Absolutely. And when you don't know what to expect, you get, you step into something and you say, okay, well, since I don't have a frame of reference for this, I assume things are going well until I get negative feedback. I'm just going to lay low. You just, you don't have anything to compare against. And so your the framework within that you're working within to make judgments and make change doesn't exist and therefore you can't make change. When you talked about the phrase you have like for the year, so do you like at the end of a year, like reflect and kind of think about what's ahead or how does that look? We have an annual meeting at the very end of the year and we really digest everything that's gone on. We kind of reflect, you know, did we do a good job of meeting some of those goals we had set for ourselves that fall within this one word? We usually come with a couple of ideas that we are looking for for the next year, but we're 
we're so meticulous about the words that we choose. We usually come with like three or four and then say, okay, well, what do you think? Is there a different word I should use? Am I looking, is this more of an action and I'm looking more for an idea? And it's a very lengthy process. Well, it's good. I mean, it's, it's a time for reflection. And I think that it's another one of those things that I think enough, just not enough people do, not just civil engineers, just people in general. But I always try to tell people a lot of times when I do trainings, because when like your company sometimes sends you to a training, you're like, listen, the last thing I need to do is to be here for one or two days when I've got all these projects and all these clients going on. So what I always try to tell people is it's like that saying, if you're too busy to stop and fill up the car with gas, eventually the car is going to run out of gas. And so you need to take some time to reflect. You need to look at your goals. You need to make sure that everything's going in the right direction. And this could be not just you personally. It could be for your firm. It could be for your department. It could be for your project that you're working on. And we've really been doing that here with our team is really measuring things every month and making sure that if we did something, it worked. And if it didn't work, why didn't it work? And you need to have that some kind of vision in your career. And the only way to allow for that is allowing some kind of reflection time or some kind of time to see, like you said, does this meet my expectations? If it's not meeting my expectations, how long can I just keep doing it? So I think that that's great. And I hope that if you're listening out there, you kind of really think about building in some time for yourself. And I like to do it weekly too, just in terms of my projects that I'm working on. I try to budget a couple of hours at the end of the week, or sometimes I even do it early on a weekend morning. And I just think about, let's look at all the projects. What are the different components of the projects? A lot of times when I know that I'm just, I have that time to focus on that and I'm not like worrying about emails or anything else, things just happen. Like you come up with ideas, you get creative because you're really putting your energy into that. So that's something that I would recommend for those of you out there thinking of doing a little bit more planning throughout the course of your day-to-day uh, activities. All right. So before we get to our end segment here, a couple of other things that I want to talk a little bit about is let's talk about civil engineering in general a little bit. You see a lot of things. I'm sure you're on the road. You talk to a lot of engineers. What are your thoughts on the current kind of trends in the industry? I know there's a lot of talk about infrastructure, transportation, city planning. Is there anything that, what do you think about where we're at right now and where we're headed? I always like to reference, and this is my shameless plug for ASE, but I really enjoy referencing the ASE infrastructure report card. They do them both at the state level and the national level. And I really think they're such a fantastic benchmark that we can use to affect real change and policy change in the U.S. I know we do a couple of legislative fly-ins, both in the state of Texas and at the national level in D.C. once a year. I guess my thing is, is that civil engineering is such a noble profession because it's often so overlooked. I mean, who in their daily life doesn't get in a car and drive on a road that was designed by a civil engineer or drink water in their house that was filtered and cleaned by a civil engineer? goes into a building that was designed by a civil engineer. There's just, there's so much that goes into our everyday that is just overlooked. It's just accepted as the basis of our civilization, which it is, but any improvements are just thought of as, oh, well, you know, it had to progress at some point and any, we'll call them gaps or room for improvements are seen as catastrophic failures. And so I think in, in any situation, the profession of civil engineering has a long way to go as far as it's recognition in the community at large. And that's one of the reasons I also enjoy volunteering and getting the word out and making people more aware of what civil engineers do is that there's just that basic understanding or there should be that basic appreciation for the people who design our infrastructure. I think another thing is that we do have so many borders to still cross. I personally have kind of a, a lifelong passion for bringing basic infrastructure and civil engineering design to developing nations. I think a lot of time we think, oh, if we bring them healthcare and education and all these different things that are fantastic and that are required to have a civilization flourish. If one town can't 
safely travel to another town to have basic commerce and exchange good and trade, it doesn't matter how healthy or educated you make them. If they can't get from one place to another, then you have basic infrastructure issues. And I really am looking forward to seeing a lot of change and development. And I'm optimistic that many developing nations will have more state-of-the-art technology when it comes to infrastructure than a lot of developed nations had beforehand. And hopefully they can skip a lot of the mistakes and learnings we've gone through and can use the current technology to better themselves and bring themselves up to a higher position within the world market to where they can contribute and also benefit from being a real global player. And I would imagine too, Alexis, that you probably speak to a lot more engineers than the average civil engineer because a lot of engineers that I talk to are either in a consulting firm or they're working for a government agency and they still talk to other engineers. Sounds like you're constantly talking to them, obviously, because you're working with the products and you're helping them with them. You get to kind of see a little bit, maybe more of a heartbeat on the ground on what's going on, on the attitudes across the industry or across your region, at least, as far as whether are people really busy or are people really stressed or are people really excited or are people doing really well. So I think that that's kind of interesting because if you work in a bubble as a civil engineer, and I'm not saying everyone does, but some of us, we get to work on a large project and we work for one company, whereas you're kind of getting a really good feel all the time, I would think, or you're getting a whole bunch of different contrasts. I like to think I have a really good touch on, I kind of get to feel the pulse of the industry all the time. So my clients are, for the most part, structural engineers, but I also work with those who are on construction sites, whether it's the GC, contractor, subs, et cetera. And I work with inspectors. So I have a really broad range of people that I work with every single day, which is kind of neat. And then, as I mentioned, I'm very passionate about ASCE. I'm on the Fort Worth board. I'm on the Texas section board as well. And so I get the opportunity to work in my spare time with all these different types of civil engineers across the state of Texas and even beyond. I will say what's something that's so uplifting that really does help make every day, even the days that we all have frustrations or struggles or you know, that one client was kind of mean or this one job site went really poorly. At the end of every day, I, there's this overwhelming sense of optimism from the people that I work with that things are just getting better, whether it's advancements in technology or the amount of projects that are coming in, or even just the fact that their team is great to work with, or the project they're working on is really innovative, or they're doing something different. There's always this ending tone of we're making things happen, or we're making change, or we're doing something so different that's going to make things better for people to come. We're speaking with Alexis Clark, and I'm going to ask Alexis to stick with us for a minute, and we're going to come back, and we're going to kind of wrap things up with our uh, hot seat segment. And you know, we'll ask a couple last questions. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seats segment. Hopefully you're keeping up with Alexis. Let's see if you can keep up with her till the end. I'm telling you, I struggled to do it. But our hot seat today is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. I have some big news for my Civil Engineering Podcast listeners. If you've been thinking of getting your PE license, but you're unsure of where to start, now is the perfect time to check out PPI2Pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Best of all, PPI has recently released the brand new Civil Engineering Reference Manual, the essential book for your PE civil exam prep. Visit PPI2Pass.com to order the new Civil Engineering Reference Manual and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, Pass.com. I also have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TCE8 
on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's T-C-E and the number eight. All right, I'm back here with Alexis Clark, and it's time for the Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment. All right, Alexis, you ready? Yes, sir. Let's go. First question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to your success as a civil engineer? So unfortunately, my wake up time every morning is very different, which is not good for my system. So the first thing I do every morning is I mix this vitamin mixture that I have every morning, and then I try to have a hot cup of tea. It doesn't matter when you wake up, you still kind of do the same thing whenever you wake up. Yes, absolutely. Next question is, what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? The best book that I recommend to people is The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. And I will be the first to admit, I've always been a very confident and prideful person. And I like trying things out for myself. And I think in a profession like engineering, where technical prowess is so critical to us being successful, that we don't often want to ask for help. We want to think, okay, I can figure this out. I'm a smart person. I can break down this puzzle, solve it, and move on and make it better. And it often so much, it just, it reduces the amount of time we have to really be effective in our jobs. And oftentimes we end up recreating the wheel, or if we don't come to solving the problem, we shut down on ourselves, we feel discouraged. And then we sadly mope over to a colleague and say, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? I was actually recommended this book by a a friend of mine from high school. And it's so vulnerable and raw and real. And it's, it's hysterical. The, The writing is fantastic. Amanda Palmer is actually the lead singer for the Dresden Dolls, if anyone knows that. She was the basically the front runner who kicked off Kickstarter for, for musicians. And her book just helped me understand so much more that it is okay to ask for help. And it's one of the basic modes of connection between humans. Wow, that's really great because we've had over 80 episodes now and I always ask this question and we haven't had that book yet, which is good because it's a new book for me to check out. And uh, it sounds like it is interesting. It definitely sounds like something that we as engineers can struggle with. So thank you for that recommendation. All right. So I've got one final question that we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give him or her a career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Don't close your mind to anything. You would ask me six years ago if I would be in the position, in the territory, in the company that I'm with now. I would have said there is no way you would never see me doing that. Uh Uh-uh. No, not for me. Thanks. And I'm fortunate that I have friends and family of mine who are close enough to sometimes be a better mirror for me than I am for myself. And they said, Alexis, this is the perfect marriage of everything you've ever wanted put your pride and stubbornness aside and accept something that is outside of what you've expected for yourself, because I think this could be really good for you. I think that is great advice because like we talked about earlier in the show, there's a lot of opportunities out there in the civil engineering world and beyond. And I think that we maybe discount them or we don't think about them or I don't think we have the skills to get them, but in a lot of cases you do and they're available and they are there. And you just need to maybe, like Alexa said, First of all, don't doubt those things or don't close your mind to them. But secondly, network, talk to people and things happen. And that's just the great thing I think about our industry. I just think it's vast. And I think that there's a lot of room for growth. 
So Alexis, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know you have obviously so many things going on, but I also know that you love to give back. And I think you're also giving back to the community by sharing some of your insights here on the podcast. So it was just a pleasure to have you on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Absolutely. I really appreciate being on here. So thank you so much, Anthony. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. And I hope that we find continue to find and cultivate more people like Alexis that are doing amazing things for the civil engineering industry, both in work and outside of work. I also want to just remind you about our engineering management training needs assessment. As I said earlier in the show, I'm very interested in truly helping engineering professionals become more effective managers and leaders. And I don't mean doing some training, doing some webinars, speaking at a conference. I mean, long-term, really, really true personal and professional improvement. And so to that end, I've worked with several HR training and other executives in the civil engineering industry, and we've created this engineering management trading needs assessment, which you can find at engineeringmanagementassessment.com. It'll take you five minutes to complete this assessment, and it will help you to understand where your management career skills are at in relation to other industry trends. It'll also help you to understand and think about how you learn. So do you like live webinars? Do you like videos? Do you like in-person training? What days of the week? What times of the day? It's very comprehensive, but only takes you five minutes because I know you're busy. Again, it's engineeringmanagementassessment.com. And if you complete it, once we hit 500 people, which I know we're going to quickly, I will send you a summary of the results of all of the people that we've had taken it so far so you could see how you stack up. So again, that's engineeringmanagementassessment.com. It may be some of the most valuable information that you could have in your career. And if you're with a company and you're interested in enrolling 10, 20, 30, 40, hundreds of people through the assessment, feel free to reach out to me, A. Fasano at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, and I can help you. We could set up a special link for you to be able to do that so we could share your specific results with you. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 82. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments sections or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.